0: Tetra Arteta out of back as Arsenal only score five away to Burnley Erdogan puts another Irma God performance we hear from Kai Havertz on the question he'll never get tired of answering plus there's previews of Porto away as we ask can Arsenal really win the Champions League that's all coming up on this episode of The Arsenal Beat Yes, hello and welcome to this latest episode of the Arsenal Beat, the only podcast that brings you inside Arsenal with the journalists who know the club best. I am Kaya Kainak of Football.London on hosting duties today and I'm joined by Simon Collins of the Evening Standard. Simon, how are you? I'm good, thank you, mate. How are you doing? Yeah, good,
1: thanks. You recovered from your big Sunday roast yet? I've recovered from the Sunday roast and our arduous journey to Burnley. Um, yeah, I think all three of us can admit that's one away day that we're happy we've ticked off the list for the season. Exactly. Well, speaking
0: of arduous journeys, few had a more arduous journey than than Jordan Campbell of The Athletic, who's also with us. Jordan, um, we we all shared in the glamour of a a late night trip to possibly the largest Tesco known to man in Burnley, walking through yellow wind and rain warnings and um, getting meal deals for dinner. Your meal deal was a topic of contention among the locals. Can you tell the listeners about that? Yeah, I did not think it was
2: like a Michelin star glamorous meal, but um, as I was digging into my really dry chicken pasta for Tesco, the, the train conductor did take it upon herself to stop and sort of interrogate me, saying, you must be from London eat, eat, uh, to eat pasta. I was like, I didn't <laughs> think, is that really a, a giveaway sign that I'm from the leafy suburbs like yourself, Kaya? I said, well, I'm actually I'm actually glass weeding, and she was absolutely appalled by that. Then asked what we did for a living, and when we reluctantly told her that yeah we we were writing about the game, she was just flabbergasted that I could both consume something um, as bougie as pasta and also write, given I'm from Glasgow. So that was a nice uh, a nice welcome from the people of Burnley.
0: Yeah, pasta and unseasoned chicken on top of it. It doesn't yeah. get much better than that. I mean, listening to the three of our voices, listeners, I'm sure you'd be able to tell which one of us was the the southern softy from. that, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. JC outed for the, the sudden stuff that he's become. Um, thank you, as always, for listening to the podcast, guys. Um, if you want to follow us, we are on Twitter at The Arsenal Beat. And if you can leave us a little review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you uh, listen to the podcast, it'll be really helpful because we're trying to get this going and uh, get it up and running all over again. Um, of course, the game got underway in Burnley with a fantastic opening goal from Martin Odegaard. And that feels like the best place to start. Simon, I'm going to start with you. Uh, we both do player ratings uh, at Arsenal Games and I think we were both pretty unanimous. There was only real one one man of the match at Turf Moor. Now, Sam Dean's not here to do the Odegaard loving, the inevitable Odegaard loving, so I'm going to pass that baton over to you. How good was he on Saturday and how good has he been recently?
1: Yeah, I thought he was absolutely brilliant um, and... You know, he's sort of had a different role this season, which we sort of noticed, you know, he's come a lot deeper. hes he, It feels like he's trying to influence the game a lot more all over the pitch than he did last season. And I think it's taken time for him to adapt to that. But I think against Burnley, we saw, you know, what happens when teams give him the amount of space that he had. And the Burnley, you know, didn't really get as close to him as you need to do if you're going to try and stop Odegaard. And the way, you know, obviously, the way he took his goal was brilliant, but I thought the way he interacted for for the penalty that they won where he picked out Havertz with that pass, it was just absolutely perfect, fired into him. And again, we're seeing that connection with Saffi, you know, that's two games in a row where they've assisted each other and that have, has always been a huge asset for Arsenal. And it kind of feels like we're now sort of seeing that again. But for Odegaard himself, yeah. I mean, we have spoken a lot about how players are looking reborn since the break, but I think for him in particular, got an absolute spring in his step and just the way he ran that game was brilliant and I think Burnley didn't really have an answer for him.
0: Jordan, um, there's quite a few arbitrary debates that seem to go on on social media. Um, Obviously, the phone one is is quite high on the agenda now and Mikael was asked about that in the press conference but I'm going to ask you to contribute to a slightly arbitrary debate and say, is there a better player on form in the Premier League right now than Martin Odegaard, do you think?
2: I, th- I think if you if you look at the last month or so, then I, I, th- I would find it hard to say that there is. Um, But I think that's always been the the thing we Odegaard to this season, is that we know when he gets to his very, very top level, that he can be in that sort of world-class category. I think the thing that people always want from him is take it to that next level in terms of, as Simon was saying, contribute all over the pitch every single week and delivering those numbers, you know. He could always stitch together the game nicely, but for the first half of the season, he was he was struggling to really find those pockets of space to play that killer ball. Um, that was partly because everything was so congested. But I think Arsenal started to find different ways to to give Saka and Odegaard um room, and you know he was just he was all he was flawless against Burnley. And I even think this run of form actually started during the, the difficult period for Arsenal, but people weren't really giving him the credit because you know, the chances weren't being finished. Like against West Ham, for example, I thought he was really good in that game. Um but I think now that, you know, his form has started to coincide with the team playing with a lot more freedom, um, a lot more confidence. I think people are, are, are realising that, you know, this guy on his day can be a huge part of Arsenal potentially winning this league if he if he can manage to maintain this form to the end of the season.
0: You mentioned the congestion that Arsenal were facing earlier in the season. Obviously, in the past couple of games, um, probably since the winter break, there's been a lot more spaces for Arsenal to exploit. And game states obviously been a big part of that. Martin Odegaard got the goal really early. Arsenal scored really early, well, early enough at West Ham as well last week. Quite a few early goals this season, or sorry, since the mid-season break. Um, there was a quite a clever, I'd say, Turkish English journalist, uh, about six foot six, who asked uh, Mikel Arteta. About this back in November, and Arteta's response was something along the lines of wanting to go 100 mile an hour in every single game, but not being able to because there was so much traffic in front of him. Jordan, you, you wrote about game state um, after the game this weekend, and I just want to ask sort of how important do you think that is in Arsenal's recent run that they've been able to get themselves in front relatively early and, and spaces seem to really present themselves after that? I think
2: it's huge, um, and I think it's something you can't always put. A value on, but I think over the course of a season psychologically, it's massive for a team to be able to relax in some games, and I just don't think Arsenal have been able to relax in the majority of games this season. They've they've been in the games for too too long, um, which I think over a thirty eight season you can't constantly be in the last twenty minutes of games either chasing a goal or defending a one goal league because you that I think that accumulates and it takes its toll over a season. I I managed to look at some of the Opta stats for the the last five six seasons and. When City have won the league five times and Liverpool won the league, every single season they were in the league for at least 50% of the minutes across the season. Arsenal are sitting at 37, 38, the same as Liverpool. City have slightly dropped off to 47. But, I mean, Arsenal and Liverpool were a lot lower than that even a month ago, or two months ago. It was a lot lower until they've gone on this run where Palace, Burnley and West Ham they have got the goals early. And rather than, than get the goals earlier, like against Everton, Nottingham Forest, Wolves, some of those games that spring to mind where you think Arsenal started well, but then rather than build on the lead, the game became a little bit cagey and a late goal changes the complexion and all of a sudden there's tension in there. I think the last few weeks it's it's been you know absolutely perfect in terms of how to manage a game. And yeah, when you're trying to string it together, running winning sequences of 12, 16, 18 like City have done, you're not going to do that if every single game has stress in it. So, I think they've been great at, at taking that away from the games lately.
0: And one other player who seems to be really benefiting from the amount of space that's opening up for Arsenal right now is is Kai Havertz. He's, he's played in a few different roles uh, in recent matches. Simon, you spoke to him in the mix zone. and let's, let's just hear what you had to say about where he's most comfortable in the side.
1: Uh, you know this is a question I'm gonna get asked like every every week, so I said it so many times. You know I, I feel comfortable to play wherever. You know I, I I like to be on the pitch, and you know as you all know, I'm not the player who's just in one position. I like to switch, I like to be flexible, and I think that's one of my strengths as well. And um, you know I'm gonna give everything wherever I play, and that's the most important. But obviously I think this pocket position
0: suits me quite good, but. Um, so he seemed in a, a really good mood when he was speaking to you guys there cracking a few jokes. Um I guess that's to be expected after he's been in such a good run of form and obviously scored a goal, but is this what we were expecting to see from Kai Havertz when Arsenal paid 65 million for him? Is this the is this the form that Mikel Arteta promised us was coming?
1: Yeah, I mean I, I think all of us were sort of skeptical about Arsenal spending that much money on someone like Havertz when he was playing a role that we'd not really seen him do before but I think what we've seen over the past maybe sort of two three months is that his intelligence is probably his biggest biggest asset and before he's got his goal I know we were we were sat in the press box and trying to sort of you know how did you rate his performance and the kind of the goal probably got it the vindication it deserved but before that a lot of his movement have been causing Burnley so many problems. Uh, and I think actually Trossard playing as that sort of false nine has brought the best out of Havertz a bit. I think Trossard's ability to drop deep and it creates a space for Havertz to go into. And he looks like a player. He's playing with so much confidence. You said, yeah, when we spoke to him, you know, he was cracking jokes. Um, Declan Rice sort of came through the mix zone at the same time and gave an absolute massive slap on the back. Um, Was saying what a player is, what a player is. And I think he's someone who probably a lot of his work will go under the radar and he probably needs sort of goals and assists to, to get wider vindication. But certainly internally, and whenever we speak to Arteta, he's so happy with Havertz. And I think in this system they've got right now, even with Trossard as a number nine, which is a debate going forward, who sort of plays that nine, I think it really is starting to see the best of Havertz. And yeah, I think going into what is a, a huge game on Wednesday at Porto, which is a place obviously Havertz has great memories of, I think he couldn't be in a better spot than he is right now.
0: You mentioned Porto there. It's It's an interesting decision going forward for Arsenal. It might seem strange, but does Havertz even keep his place, Jordan? Because Mikel Arteta might want, in these big European away games, to go for maybe a more defensive or experienced option in midfield, which is obviously Jorginho, who hasn't really played very much since his his man-of-the-match performance against Liverpool. Just looking forward to that game, would you expect a slightly more defensive outlook from Arteta or do you think he's going to go all guns blazing in the first leg?
2: Uh, I don't think I would say more defensive, but I think he'll definitely be wanting... Um, a form of control. Um, first leg away from home. I don't think they'll be underestimating Porto, and you know, even coming into that game, I was thinking it's just got Jorginho sort of written all over it. You look at how he played against. Um, he played recently when he came into the into the game against Liverpool and was was outstanding. Um, so I think, I, I think if if he comes into the the side, it would make a lot of sense given his ability to control games from deep and, you know, take the emotion out of games. And there'll be times where Arsenal will have to soak up some pressure. That's that's a given in the Champions League being away from home. Um, so I think if Jorginho comes in, then that does ask the question is, do you move Havertz into the number nine position or do you keep it Jorginho, Rice and Odegaard and keep Trossard up front? Personally, I would probably go a Havertz as nine um, and bring Jorginho in, but I know there'll be different um opinions on that because George, uh because Trossard that does I always think he looks best when he's in central positions um and I think the last few weeks he'd, he he's shown that you know when him and him and Havertz are, are interchanging like that it's it's really difficult to 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 pick up both of them when he's dropping in deep and Havertz is running beyond so it's been a nice a nice mix in the league but I I would personally stick with with Havertz because it gives you another option really to to go a bit more direct as well.
0: Simon, same question for you, I guess, but moving it up front, you, you touched on the debate there. Jordan. spoken about the the four positions. There's obviously Habert is an option. Trossard is an option. Gabriel Jesus, we don't know what's quite going on with his fitness yet. Maybe he'll be ready for this game. Obviously, he wasn't available for, for Burnley on Saturday, but I think there's there's some hope. Maybe we'll see in the open training session on Tuesday that whether he'll be making it or not. But what do you think Mikel Arteta should do up front against Porto? Should he stick with what he's been doing so far? What's worked and, and scored him 11, game, 11 goals in two games, sorry. Or do you think he should switch it up and and, and go back to Haberts up top?
1: Yeah, it's, it's it's a difficult one because on the face of it, um, you know, Burnley away, you would think it would be the game. You play your big sort of target man, wasn't it? And then in reality, you didn't really need to. And looking at that Porto team, um, with someone like Pepe still playing in, in the back, you think maybe you go with a with a Havertz there as, as your as your target man. But for me, I think I would just keep the system as it is at the moment and keep the personnel as it is. I think it's working so well. Um, and I think the big thing with, I know obviously with Havertz, you have that sort of focal point, that player to hit. But I think with Trossard, just what it seems to be doing, his, his freedom that he has and the way he's sort of dropping off and going into other positions, kind of feels like it's liberated all of the attack, particularly Saka, you know, Odegaard, we've spoken about, but Havertz as well. And I think his movement is creating so much space for others. So I, I would I would just keep that same attack. I think when you're winning games, 6-0, 5-0, I appreciate, you know, we talk about game state and opposition. But for me, I'd be inclined just to stick with what you're doing at the moment and play that way. Um, but as, as we say, I think that option is going to be whether you go with Havertz and then you bring in Jorginho for the extra control. But looking at that team at the moment, I, I would be keeping it as it is. So you're wearing a a lovely Bayern Munich kit, which is a fantastic callback (laughs) to
0: some round of 16 exits of years gone by for Arsenal. they are obviously be hoping to to go a lot further this time around. But having seen the games last week in the Champions League and, and the quality of the teams on display, you know, lots of talk about the competition being a little bit boring, not being a great competition this year. Should Arsenal be thinking about winning the Champions League this season? Do you think they've got a chance? Obviously, Man City will be massive favourites and they look really impressive against Copenhagen and they're capable of winning trebles, as we've seen in the past. But will Arsenal sort of quietly be, be fancying their chances, having got a, a, relative, a massively fortunate draw in the group, a relatively fortunate, obviously, they have to get past Porto, but not the most difficult of, of draws in the round of 16. Where do Arsenal rank amongst the favourites in the competition this year for you?
1: I mean, I think the bookmakers have got them third favourites. Um, and, you know, they don't they don't normally get it hugely wrong. And I think I said it when we were on our train home that you know, I almost prefer and fancy Arsenal more in the Champions League than the Premier League. I think they've got a greater chance of that. I think, you know, in the league, they're going to have to overhaul City and Liverpool if they want to win it. If you get a kind draw in the Champions League, which it looks like they have in the last 16 with Porto, I think it could really open up a lot of these... Teams in Europe seem like they're in a bit of state of flux. You know, Bayern Munich, not in a great place at the moment. I think Real Madrid as well. PSG, you know, the Mbappe situation is obviously going on. Um, Manchester City, the clear favourites, I think undeniably. But beyond that, I think Arsenal should be looking at these teams and not really holding them with too much fear. And also, as we've seen in the group stage, I think the way teams set up in Europe against Arsenal in the game state of a lot more sides are quite happy to take the game to Arsenal and leave space for them to hit them on the counter. You know, we saw Saka, Martinelli regularly left one-on-one with their opposite fullback. It suits Arsenal. So, I think they should really be having a a full crack at this Champions League. And, you know, they don't even need to sort of fly under the radar. I think they should be quite bold and strong about it. And I'm sure we'll hear Arteta from this week, what he thinks about it. But I think they should be looking at this competition and thinking, yeah, this is there. This is there for the taking because in two, three years' time, you know, you'd fully expect the likes of Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, Barcelona to be to be in a much healthier state than they are at the moment, and, and Arsenal should really be trying to target this competition, particularly when someone like Liverpool aren't in it.
0: Jordan, similar question for you, but do you think this is a competition that Arsenal can win? Can they go all the way, or are we maybe getting a bit ahead of ourselves looking forward that far ahead?
2: No, I think I think Arsenal have got a chance of winning it. Um, I don't think there's great powers, you know, the great powers like Barcelona, Real Madrid, I don't think they're quite what they were. Um, so, you know, I would, I would probably say that Man City and, and Arsenal are the two, the two teams in Europe that you, you look at domestically and think they probably are up there with the best two teams in in, in Europe. So, no, I don't think Arsenal should should fear the teams. And as I saying, you know, there will be more space. That This won't be sitting against you know, maybe Atletico, you know, Inter might be a bit more defensive and might sit in, but you, you, know, they're they're playing each other, and you might not, you know, bump into them until later in the in the competition. So, no, I I think it's it's set up really really nicely for Arsenal, and they're only competing on two fronts compared to to Man City and Liverpool, who are competing on three and four. So, I think that does sort of help Arsenal that you know they don't have too many games or too many distractions now. Um, which last season there was the whole. Should they go through against Sporting? Is it better just to rest your whole team? Like the Champions League is the Champions League, and you want to try and get your you want to try and win it. So I don't think there's any excuses now about how do we go into this. You go, you give both competitions your 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 all, and I think Arsenal have got a good chance at both. Um,
0: yeah. You mentioned you mentioned resting there. Um, one player who never seems to get a rest, but has surprisingly got a rest in sort of the last half hour of the past two games is is Bukayo Saka. If if Arsenal are going to win the Champions League or a Premier League this season, uh, so I'm going to ask this to you. He's obviously in fantastic form recently, six goals in his last four games. How important is he going to be um, to Arsenal and, and, and what difference do you think he can make in Europe against those, those high lines and, and with a bit more space?
1: Yeah, I mean, we saw in the, in the group stage, didn't we, that he was probably the biggest beneficiary of teams, um, you know, giving him that space, leading him one-on-one. I always think back to the, the PSV game in the opening round. Or fixtures where he tormented them and really sort of set the tone for Arsenal's group stage campaign. I think he's going to be absolutely huge for it. Um, and, you know, it was something that was debated last week, wasn't it? It was Rio Ferdinand, whether sort of Saka is world-class or not. And, you know, you can disagree or agree with Ferdinand all you want, but the point that Ferdinand was making that Saka hasn't really done it, you know, on the biggest stage when the medals are handed out. And, you know, he's going to get that now, you know, starting on Wednesday, he's going to be playing in Champions League knockout games, games that are going to side the title. And, Form he's in at the moment, I think he's going to have a huge say in, in what happens. And he looks like he's absolutely relishing it at the moment. Um, seems to be re energized from the break, back to his best. And, you know, we sort of touched on there, didn't you, about sort of resting him. And I can't remember too many times before where Arteta's got him off before the 70 minute mark. Appreciate, obviously, these have been huge 6 0, 5 0 wins. But maybe there is a bit of a realization from Arteta that if I can get Saka off as early as possible, and keep him fresh and I just do it and I think um, that would be a benefit for Arsenal in the long run because we know how many minutes he plays and any chance you can get to take 20 minutes out of his legs I think Arsenal need to be doing that but yeah I think for me it's set up for him and if people don't sort of have that opinion that he's world class that's fair enough but this this period of two, three months is a perfect opportunity for him to show people that, that he is
2: I was just going to say Jaya, I, th- I thought it was quite refreshing to see Arteta take off white Sossard, uh Rice, Saka, all, take them off when the game was already done, because we've seen them so many times, you know, just go with the same players and really push them to the max, and I get that he says, you know, if you if you want to be world class like Saka, you've got to get used to that, where your body is drained and you're still having to produce every three days, but, you know, I think in the PSV dead rubber, we're surprised that he brought the players on, you know, to a game that didn't mean anything, and then they go and play Brighton three days later, they're fine there. But then they go into a period where they were struggling, and you're thinking that was a perfect time to take the give their re- uh, legs a rest. But yeah, I, th- I think Martinelli and Saka are perfect for the Champions League because you know they've got they're going to have space to carry the ball. And I don't think um if you're looking at the, the the wingers in Europe, I don't think uh many teams have got two players who can carry their teams forward like those two can. So um yeah, I would just agree with Sai Cy- that uh, I think it sets up
0: perfectly for the them there's no resting up here of course on the uh, Arsenal Beat podcast where we will be bringing you right now the guest the Guna, the the toughest quiz in podcasting so uh, Jordan if I'm not mistaken this is your first time doing guest the Gooner on the Arsenal Beat podcast
2: that is correct so I'm expecting a nice easy Scottish answer
0: uh, no chance at all, but uh, what I can give you is the rules. And for you listening at home as well, uh, the rules are very simple. I will read out uh, a list of clues relating to a player who has played for Arsenal in the past. It will be up to Simon and Jordan to guess who that is. They buzz in by saying their names and then guessing uh, who they think the is. If you get it wrong, you are frozen out for that round and the other player has a chance to steal the victory. So let's play Guess the Gooner. I began my career with Sporting Lisbon in 1996. I scored just twice in 91 appearances for West Ham between 2007 and 2011.
1: Dop Lewis Burmorte.
0: Wow! That's that's wow. quick. Did
2: yeah. you tell him this
0: before you came on, Kai? No, this no. I was I was slightly hoping this would be a longer one because I was worried about this podcast time. But this is this is <laughs> unreal. <unbelievable. laughs> that is unbelievable, Jordan. I'll read you out the rest of the clues and see if you would have got it from there. So, I had a much more prolific spell, uh, much more prolific spell in my career. Came when I was at Fulham, where I scored fifty-four goals in two hundred. I, I might have got it there.
2: I might have, but maybe that's just because I oh, don't know it's Lewis
0: back. <laughs> <laughs> that was incredible. Wow. Simon Colling's knowledge of the, the West Ham goal scores between 2007
1: and 2011. Who saw that just, coming? Just um, a very small number of Portuguese players. Yeah, I always associate
2: with Fulham Moore, so I this think the West Ham bit would have had to come
0: third for me. Uh, in 1999, I appeared on an episode of BBC children's drama Grange Hill where I gave out prizes on a school sports day. I'm currently. You'd have got the it. you have got it then. Ah. You'd have got
1: it then. I know that was, that, it was, it was, then. that was the, that was the yeah, bank. Game, the
0: ball, really. so. I am currently on the coaching staff at a Premier League team, which is of course. Fulham. Uh, Fulham. Yeah. Correct. Correct. I played for four other English teams as well as Arsenal. Um, okay, let's play a, a fun game just to to long this out because <laughs> guess the kid was so sure. Um, <laughs> name the four the four English teams other than Arsenal.
1: hello yeah, West Ham. So like, West Ham.
2: Yeah.
0: Um,
1: guess where Lewis Bergmann also spent his career? Uh, one of so them is on
0: the south coast. Play for Southampton, no? He did, he did, and yeah. the other one, um, I'm I'm showing my my lack of geography knowledge, but I actually don't know where in the UK it is. Um, <laughs> it begins with a C. ends in a field Chesterfield. Chesterfield 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 indeed he ended his career wow. in a 12 game stint at Chesterfield um, wow. 28 caps for my country where I've scored just once also making an appearance for the country's Olympic team and then the final clue was of course my name when translated into English sounds very morbid uh, because Boa Morte obviously means good death uh, in Portuguese so yeah, that's that's about all we've got time for today on, on this podcast. Um thank you very much for listening, everyone. Uh it just leaves me with a chance to say thank you very much to Simon Collins of the Evening Standard for cutting short the episode of Guest the Gooner and also being fantastic <laughs> on this podcast. Simon, where can where can people listening find you? Uh yeah, I'm on Twitter at Sr underscore Collins. And Jordan Campbell as well. Thank you very much for joining us, Jordan. Sorry your first appearance on the Guest Aguna was was cut so short, but uh Fingers crossed to get back on again for another one in the future. Jordan, where can people find you?
2: Uh, Yeah, on Twitter as well. I'm at jordanc1107.
0: And I'm Kai Kainak on Football London. uh, On Twitter as well, at KaiKainak97. Um, We'll be bringing you all the reaction to Arsenal's midweek trip to Portugal in our regular Thursday podcast. So, uh, we'll have a few of us after the game, I think, in Portugal. So, it might even be a live podcast uh, bringing you reaction to the game where Arsenal will be looking to get their round of 16 Champions League campaign off and running with a victory. We'll also bring you previews ahead to Newcastle on Saturday, which can be a really interesting game, I think. Um, Until then, please do remember to follow us on Twitter at The Arsenal Beat and leave a review wherever you're listening to this podcast, whether it's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, um, Deezer, wherever you're listening to it, we don't care. But as long as you leave a review and and try and make it nice and let us know as well on social media what you want to hear more of. Until then, guys, thank you very much for tuning in. We'll be back next week on our next episode of The Arsenal Beat.